All right, welcome back for our third session together on uh, these issues of security and safety and the local church. Again, you know, from the Center uh, for Preach or for Pastoral Leadership and Preaching here at Southeastern, we've created several resources. I want to just remind you um, uh, to go to the website and check out those other resources. Obviously, if you're watching this, you're on that website and look at the other resources on that recommended resource page. We're going to try to provide links and contact information and uh, downloadables and handouts for all that we've talked about here uh, today. Uh, Mike and Ron are still with me, and we appreciate so much of George Harvey and and also uh, for Stephen uh, to be with us and and for all the work that they do for us and and uh, appreciate that. In this session, we're going to talk about um, active emergency situations, and so let's let's just talk about that and dive in in the middle. Um, first of all, let, let's talk about, um, before we get to, say, the live shooter kind of scenarios, let's just talk about, let's talk about medical emergency for a second, uh, because that's also something that we need, to, we need to think through. I've been in more than one uh, church service. I've been preaching in the pulpit, when, uh, which is probably, you know, maybe a testimony about the preaching, but <laughs> where people, yeah, people, people passed out or... Or had heart attacks, so yeah, little Uticus in the window stuff. Yeah, I, it's really sad that I'm making light of that. I don't mean to do that, and if you, you were the victim, I'm really sorry. But uh, yeah, but I mean seriously, I mean I was in a, I was in a church service in Africa a few weeks ago, and a man had a, a problem, and so um, so what do we need to do? What what do we need? How do we need to be best prepared in a medical emergency? Mike, what what, what comments would you have for us? Well, just off the top of my head, I mean, I, I would say, uh, you know, you need to plan for that emergency just as much as you plan for any other. In fact, uh, that's probably the more likely emergency that you're going to have. I mean, honestly, when you get right down to it, uh, you know, for every active shooter that we have in a church, there's probably hundreds of medical emergencies that you have in a church. And so that's probably the one you need to plan for the most. And so uh, I would say, first of all, just like you uh, find out who in your church is law enforcement trained or has a concealed weapon, uh, even more so find out who in your church is medically trained. What nurses do you have? What uh, EMS do you have in the church? What doctors do you have in the church? Uh, and have those numbers available. Uh, you know, have, have them as well have some sort of plan of notifying them. You know, if you have an emergency, where do you find these different people during the service. Um, there's obviously other things you can do as far as um, preventative having uh, first aid kits available, you know, just for basic first aid, uh, you know, have something like that available. A lot of churches now, as well as, as uh, here at Southeastern, we've put in uh, automated external defibrillators, AEDs is the short, I had to think about that for a second, um, get tongue tied on that, but, uh, but having some sort of, of AEDs available as well, uh, they can be pricey, uh, but it, but it's an easy way to have a quick response. I mean, in cardiac emergencies, uh, the the faster the response, the obviously the the better chance of saving that life. And so, I think even having a plan on the emergency side of who's going to respond to it to the emergency, uh, who's going to call 911. There's also that mentality sometimes in active situations is somebody else is going to do it. And so it doesn't get done because everybody thinks somebody else is going to. So it could even be good to have someone designated to call 911. You're the one, if something happens, you pick up the phone, call 911, get help on the way, get the, get the professionals there if you don't have somebody who is professional in the church. But at the same time, have somebody there ready to respond. Either get the first aid kit, get the AED, um, you know, find the nurse, find the doctor who you might have there. Ron, in your risk assessment, where do you talk about 
those kinds of issues as well? We do. We do. We talk a lot. Um, and, and this would be part of your safety team, um, developing your emergency preparedness plan. Part of that plan would spell out exactly what Mike just said, uh, responsibilities and duties of, of your team. Uh, so having that safety team, uh, not just from the security perspective, but from the medical emergency perspective is, is critical. Uh, of course, if you have a school and it's a licensed school, you've got to have trained nurses. And, and, um, and then the other part is the training of your staff for CPR and first aid. Um, we recommend that a percentage of your staff have or, or your team be trained in first aid CPR. You may have some um, medical folks that are a part of your congregation. A lot of times they've already been trained. But um, looking at that whole piece, your AEDs training, making sure people are trained, know how to use them, make sure they're, uh, if you do have a, and a lot of churches have them now, uh, making sure they're m maintained. Um, we just found one church they hadn't been looked at in about six years. So, um, so you know, a lot of that's part of your safety program or your safety team. Sure. And then there'd be specific issues, which I don't think we have to discuss in detail, but specific issues for your your nursery, your preschool, allergies, making sure those health forms are being filled out by the parents to where you have have those that knowledge to where you're you're staying away from peanuts or whatever you need to stay away with and all that kind of all those kinds of things. You know, I was thinking you you said out of date. You know, I've seen out of date medical kits in churches. Um, I've also seen the fire extinguishers that I, I guess are just not on some regular rotation. Uh, that probably would never work. And during our break, we have several professionals here and here with us live. And we had someone who works with fire and, and those kinds of issues. Again, just making sure that that relationship, that ought to be a part of a normal inspection, but, but to make sure that that's happening. And that's part of your checklist of your safety protocols is all those things are listed. So somebody's uh, actively looking at all those things. And doing yearly checks. I mean, that's, that's the other thing that goes back to is, is, a. Uh, like your fire extinguishers. I mean, there's an annual inspection that you do on fire extinguishers and every six years, you know, they have to be pressure tested again. So there's, uh, you know, there, there's, there just needs to be something that policy as a reminder on a, on my calendar. I just put it on my calendar every year to remind me to schedule it, you know, and so just making sure that we, you know, do those preventative maintenance every year, batteries and smoke detectors, backup batteries, things like that, all those kind of things when ignored, you know, you can end up in an emergency situation and nothing works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, uh, again, you're hearing policy, policy, policy. I'm hearing that throughout these discussions. So, so uh, to, have, to have the right policies, and I want to say this almost, not just as, uh, almost as a disclaimer, but, but also as, as, a, as an important message, that it's really important that you are very aware of what your local and state laws are, um, because not every state is the same. And so some of you may not be in North Carolina where we happen to be right now. And so we were, again, talking during the break with some questions and, and thinking through some of these things and to really make sure that you know, for example, what the, the concealed weapons laws are where you are. And then if there's a school connected to your church, what those laws might be. But also, how are you posting uh, what the policies are about concealed weapons, how you're communicating that to your congregation, that's also a part of it. And all this gets wrapped up in liability. All this is going to get wrapped up in, the, in prevention, and all this is going to, to help you do that. And so um, we were even asking questions like, if, if a school rents the church's property, uh, it's not necessarily, uh, and I think we use two words, sponsored or related. It's not a sponsored event, uh, necessarily, or a sponsored program of the church, but it's related because they're renting the building. 
and, and how these kinds of things affect these rules. So again, policy consultation, I think is a word that I'm using here. Someone like Ron in your life, or your insurance agent, risk management, first responders, these are people you need to talk to. And I would say contractual arrangements. Um, when you write a contract with someone to use your facilities, uh, you need to make sure that that's gone through some legal review. Um, some contracts have waivers in them, um, all kinds of things. So you get in a lot of legal matters that a lot of times your insurance um, person that's handling insurance can help you with that too. Another thing I say is the laws are different in different states. A lot of schools that have daycares or we, we do a lot of uh, K-12 uh, private schools for uh, churches. Um, and the laws in North Carolina, just like the custody laws in North Carolina are different. When people move from one state to another state, um, we just had a case where a child was released to a, a non-custodial parent and that parent did not have rights to pick up that child. And right now that's a lawsuit being filed. Um, so, you know, you gotta understand the laws in each state are different. Ed, Can I just follow up on that by real quick saying too, uh, I, I thought about this earlier in the context, but it didn't come up. But that's one thing that would be good to check with your children when we're, when you're doing that form uh, for children's check-in, uh, and you're asking all those questions about allergy and everything else. Especially with single parents, ask: Is there some sort of protection order in place, or some sort of domestic violence order in place, or custodial order that we can or cannot release this child to someone? And that's that's an important point to make sure you're collecting that information. And all this is part of policy. Let's dive into worst case scenario. So you are in a worship service. It's your, say it's your Sunday morning worship experience. You've got a live shooter scenario going on. Mike, what do you do? That, that is that's a tough question. I mean, uh, the, uh, th there's resources out there. I will say that to start off with. Uh, we use a video here on campus called Run, Hide, uh, Fight. Uh, which is a video put out by Homeland Security, and it's uh, I think it was Houston PD that actually did the filming of it, but you can actually go to YouTube, search uh, Run, Hide, Fight, and it's on there. Uh, also on our Southeastern website, I think uh, I think Anna's going to link that, uh, but there, there, we do an active shooter training video that I've done for our campus that's available on our website uh, that you can link to, and you're welcome to look at that. Uh, so that the so the thought here right now is then uh, as as we as the video would say is 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 run hide or fight it, it, you either get out of the situation uh, you hide uh, until somebody gets there or if you're in the midst of it you've got to fight uh, and I think that's where it goes back to these policies and the plans that are in place in fact uh, you, what you have to understand about active shooter in fact mo a lot of people now are calling it active killers uh, because honestly that's what it is they're looking for easy victims they're looking for anybody they can target and they don't care who it is i mean there might have been some sort of a crime beforehand that led to this outburst uh, but at the point where they walk into a sanctuary uh, they're looking to do as much harm as they can and so that's where this plan comes in that you've got the that you need to have in uh, in policy again uh, of who's going to address it because in a situation like that uh, you don't want everyone on the on in the in the service jumping up and and starting to take shots uh, you know in law enforcement we talk about the fact that you know that that bullet in that chamber it's mine until it
until it finds a place to stop. Uh, and if it's in the bad guy, that's great. That's an easy one. But if it misses that bad guy, I'm hoping it hits a wall or a tree, but it's still my bullet until it hits. And if it hits, you know, little Johnny in the service behind that suspect, that's still my bullet. And so um, all the liability and all of the, uh, that goes along with that then is, is brought back to me who, who pulled that trigger. And so, uh, so you want to have a plan and that's where I think it's important to have people who are trained and proficient with their weapons. Uh, we had during our break, somebody mentioned the air marshals and that's, that's, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, one example of people who are trained for their scenario because you don't want a lot of people, uh, shooting when you're, you know, however many thousand feet in the air and you're all confined in a tube, you, you hope that person can hit what they're shooting at. Right. So it's kind of the same thing in a crowd. You, you hope that person that stands up and, and is trained to, to meet that threat can hit their target. And so that's where it's important to have a plan. Who's going to, uh, who's going to be the one to address the shooter? Who's going to be the one to, 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 uh, engage the shooter and everybody else who has a concealed weapon, if that's your policy for them to have it there, uh, they need to understand they need to get down. They need to get out of the way and not con confuse the situation by, and in fact, that's we were talking about the air marshal. That's why it's important uh, when you, you get on the plane, if you can carry a weapon on the plane, for you to meet each other. Because if something happens and this other guy jumps up over here and I didn't know he had a gun, well, in my mind now, he's a possible suspect. I mean, I don't know who he is. And so that's where, again, it goes back and it's important in your church to know who is carrying uh, because if, if somebody else jumps up on the other side of the auditorium with a gun and I don't recognize them, my first thought may be, well, maybe he's with the bad guy. Maybe he was the scout. Maybe he was the one who was the lookout. Uh, and so you've got to have some sort of plan in place. The other thing you need to think about is what do you do after the fact? I mean, say the say everything works perfectly, and someone gets up and they take this shooter out, and now law enforcement is arriving. How do you identify yourself to law enforcement? That's going to be your next step. Is you know they're going to be coming in and responding, and and who's got the guns and where are they at and and how have you made it safe? I was talking with somebody else during the break. Is and that's why I think this next level of training comes in. A lot of people know how to carry a concealed weapon and and they might know where they keep it at. And we kind of go through the whole part of, okay, here's how I get it out. But then what do you do with it once you've got it out? You know, some people carry their weapons in such a way that it's it's in a small of the back holster or in the pants holster. It's, it's an ankle holster. And it's easy to get it out, but it's hard to put it back up. And that goes into, again, that training. You know, how to make that weapon safe after the fact. What do I do after the fact? Uh, so... So again, you know, I think there's a, there's probably a thousand, you know, different ways you could plan this. But again, the important part is having a plan. Who's going to address the shooter and everybody else needs to know in that situation, unless it's a direct threat against you, you need to get, you know, get down. Let the ones who are trained and, and set to address the problem address it. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we were kind of using the airplane imagery. I fly a lot, so it's, a, it's my home away from home. You know, when I'm on an airplane, I, and and if that airplane's n not a shooting scenario, but it's, if that airplane just had some issues, my first thought is I'm going to look at the to those flight attendants to tell me what to do. You know, I, we're depending upon them. They're like the safety officers of that airplane, and they're going to they're telling me where the exits are. They're going to tell me when I need to deploy that emergency slide or whatever they're going to need to do. I'm not necessarily going to think on my own. It's up to me to figure out how to make this plane safe. I'm on autom automatically going to think to those flight attendants. Now, if there's a, a, a marshal on board, if there's Another kind of scenario, he'll take care of that. So in church life, we really do need to have trained people that we know to look to. 
you know, you are the ones who are our safety officers and, and you're going to tell us what to do. And, and I don't need to necessarily think about taking this on, on my own. Yeah. Ron, what do you, what do you do to talk to churches like that? Well, we start with the safety teams and, and the training is so important. Um, even the training, we, we talked about this earlier with your lo- local law enforcement. Um, that's important. That's another reason to have them out to your church. A lot of churches are large now. They have multiple facilities. Uh, they need to know what the inside of your church looks like. They need to know if they're responding to your church, you know, what's, what's the entrances look like? What does the inside look like? And I, I work with one church. They've actually taken video of all their facilities and sent it to their local law enforcement just so that the first response responders would have pictures as they drive up to that church and they know what it looks like and how to respond. So the training is key. Um, and work with a, a safety group and the safety uh, team is actually identified in the congregation the way they wear their tags. So you know that that's a safety team member that's in the congregation with the tag that they have on. And I thought that was, that was a good, um, good program that they put in place. And if, and if the incident's happening, not necessarily during the worship service, but during the office hours during the week, does anything really change? I mean, is the same principles apply? Yeah, I think some of this goes back to how, how are you physically planning ahead of time? And so, um, unfortunately, a lot of the churches that I have been in, uh, all the doors, once you get inside the church, are just... Uh, um, open function. I mean, or passage type locks. And so in other words, there's, there's no locks on classrooms. There's no locks on, on any of the in, internal doors. And I would actually say, you know, one, one thing that you can do on a preventative side is actually go back and put locks on those doors. Um, one of the, one of the key, uh, parts of the, of the, of the whole scenario of run, hide, fight is again, if you can't get out of the situation, then you want to hide in place. And part of that is securing the door that you're in. So like, for example, again, one thing we've done here on our campus is we've just made sure that every classroom on campus can be locked. And so if you're in the classroom and you hear something happening in the hallway, you want to be able to lock the door. And so uh, unfortunately, a lot of churches aren't designed that way. A lot of churches, uh, you know, you know, and, I, and the window is not a bad thing, but, you know, but, but again, the, the fact that any door can be opened is not necessarily a good thing. And so I think one thing, uh, that you can do that's that's cheaper on a preventative side is is putting locks on those doors uh but if it but if it is something in a hallway if it is something that's outside of the sanctuary like during the week i think was what you asked um you know i would go back again to, to that scenario run hide fight if you can get out of the situation you know get out of it call 911 as you're leaving take people with you uh, is what is what that training is all built around if you have to hide in place obviously you want to lock the door barricade the door the best that you can again call 911 silence your phone is, is, is the point they throw in there. You don't want your phone ringing in the middle of an emergency like that. Um, but get help on the way. And then, and, and as the video says, then the last thing is, is to fight. If it comes right down to, uh, you know, that person is about to find you, uh, you've got to be willing to, to fight because he doesn't care if you're, uh, many situations have come out, you know, like thinking about the Columbine and some of the other scenarios where uh, he would take the time to ask, you know, do you believe in God or do you whatever? And then he would pull the trigger. So obviously uh, it, it's still, it's active killer. I mean, that's, it's, it's your life or his. And so if you get to that last step where you can't get out, uh, your, your hiding spot has been found, uh, then, then you've got to fight for your life. And so let's, uh, let's talk about a little grayer area, perhaps. Uh, it was a good question that was raised. You know, maybe it's not 
Um, it's not violent and dramatic as the active killer scenario. Maybe it's a protester. Maybe it's someone with a mental illness or some kind of challenge. Uh, and they've, they're either they're outside or they've wandered in to the sanctuary. You know, any, any, any ideas on how that safety team ought to address helping that person, but, but perhaps removing that person from both danger and also from interfering with what's going on in the church? Yeah, I think again it, it goes back to having that plan in place. You know, who's going to who's going to walk up and address them? Who's going to uh, to be the first one to, to interact with them and talk with them? Uh, try to to move them to the area that you want them to go to. Um, uh, with protesters, you know, obviously, I mean, there's things you can do like close the door, lock the door. But again, I think that's where it goes back to having that uh, good relationship with local law enforcement, where you can call them, uh, get them there on the scene to to help you out with that situation. A lot of a lot of times in cities. Uh, you have to have a permit to do that. So, you know, sometimes with protesters, like, you know, we've had some on campus here uh, before where they actually had to go through the process. So we actually got notice that they were coming. And so our plan was just to have more uh, law enforcement uh, in our chapel that day that it happened uh, in case something were to happen. And they were, they were, um, uh, out, you know, not in uniform. They were plain clothes, uh, but they obviously they knew who each other was, and that was our plan for that day was just to have them strategically placed in the audience. So in the case of a protest like that, we knew they were coming, and so we just prepared ahead of time, you know, and, and kind of gave them a schedule. Here's here's what we're going to allow you to do, uh, and and here's what your permit allows. Uh, if it's kind of an impromptu though protest, and again, you got to fall back on that plan. Get get law enforcement on the way. Get someone uh, who can address them and actually put hands on because that's that's another line that you sort of cross is, you know, where do you, where can you actually start to put hands on somebody uh, versus, uh, you know, more of an active shooter type situation where it's obvious that there's threats here, but what, what can you do as far as putting hands on somebody? So again, I think it goes back to having that plan in place. And so um, what we're talking about in almost all of these sessions is proactivity, intentionality, proactivity, preparation to make sure that you're working with someone who knows this world, uh, whether it's a risk assessor like you or, or your first responders in your community, work with all these people, get that, get that checklist put together, make sure your policies are in place, and then proactively have the training that you need so that for, fortunately and hopefully maybe you never, ever, ever have to react but if you do have to react, that you're best prepared to do that and you understand those best practices. Anything else you would just challenge or encourage churches, Ron? Anything that you would want to encourage um, them with? No, it's just um, there is a program that I know um, there's a lot of new pastors, um, but also as churches continue to to expand and grow, they're often having building, building projects or new designs for buildings. Um, there's a program called Crime Prevention Through Environmental Design, and um, they also have a website. You can go to it. But, um, you know, there's been some thought about when we're building new churches, when we're building new uh, activity halls and all this stuff, there's some thought into the process when we're building those from a control access perspective to your surveillance to all of that, to, to the locks on the doors. And so that program is online. We use it, uh, we use it as part of our assessment, but it's, it's a good tool um, and it was developed by law enforcement and, and different folks. So um, that's another tool you could use. Yeah, that's a great word. Mike, anything you want to add or are we good to go? 
Yeah, I think the one last note is just the obvious thing. I think nowadays is, is not having a plan isn't acceptable. Right. You know, and I think I think that's where, you know, if there's a last word here, it goes back again to these policies and procedures. You know, yeah. it's just we're kind of past the day of thinking that we can do nothing and we're OK. Uh, you've got to have a plan in place. You've got to have some sort of policies and procedures. Yeah, it's a great word. Listen, thank you guys so much for coming. And thank you for doing this. Again, I want to thank George and Stephen for being with us too. And thank you all for watching this. And thank you for who, you who are here live. And uh, we hope you can serve you well. Again, go to the website and not only uh, watch all these sessions, but get the downloadables. We'll try to have links to the things that have been referenced and check out some of the re other resources we've produced there. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you.